three, two, one. Strap yourselves in, folks, because this this is going to be a good one. It's going to be a hell of a storm, isn't it, Xeno? Why didn't you tell? I could have gotten my beanie. Oh no! If you gave me if you gave me a heads up that you're going to put a scarf on, I could have grabbed my beanie and actually worn that. I'm going to probably take it off because it's going to get a little bit warm here um, with all the lights in the computer. But yeah, today we're talking Blizzard. What a surprise. Yeah, what's been yeah, going on? Everyone's everyone's talking about it. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I didn't think, sorry, is, is it really going to go this long? Is it, you know? And the answer is yes, it is going to go this long because Blizzard make it worse <laughs> and not think things through. We could choose not to say something. That is really detrimental to our company, but no, we're going to. Wow! Uh, it's okay. So for those of you guys who haven't been keeping up, um, let's do a quick rundown um, and let's make sure we get it accurate. So, um, was it a week ago? Two weeks ago? Um, Blizzard had this, uh, or Hearthstone, Blizzard had this um, tournament, this competitive tournament of their game Hearthstone, where. Um, a player by the name of Blitzchung won. And Blitzchung originated or came from Hong Kong. And he made a statement about the current situation within Hong Kong, which is not a great situation. Uh, if you haven't been keeping track, there have been a lot of protests uh, to basically keep democracy around and um, against the uh, Chinese government. And in the wake of that, of that moment where he... Uh, shouted out his support for Hong Kong, uh, Blizzard wasn't too keen on that, <laughs> weren't they? <laughs> no, so the, the, we, we aren't really looking to focus on the political side of things. We're not looking to focus on the state of affairs over in Hong Kong and China. We mm. are looking to focus uh, exclusively on what's going on with Blizzard Entertainment. Mm-hmm. So... First off, I personally felt that this was a little bit of an overreaction. So after Blitzchung made his statement, mm-hmm. Blizzard's knee-jerk reaction was to remove his title, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that he won the tournament. They stripped him of his prize money. They banned him from the game for a year. As far as I also understand it, they banned him from all future events, though I've not found anyone else to corroborate that information. Um, this is just hearsay at this point. And but they did ban and fire the the two shoutcast hosts that were there to promote the the game. Yeah, the the tournament. Yeah. So the so the two people that were organizing it, no one of that were presenting the thing, that were ducking down when the when Blitzchung made a statement, they were fired for, I don't know what their amount of time had been given. Later on, they came back and they changed it to that they've been, uh, that they're going to be fired for at least six months. But overall, not a great situation. And I think that immediately in their attempt to silence what they thought was a bad thing, they kind of turned the thing around where it became very well known, where even we are talking about it today on the Framecast. Because they continue to make some very peculiar moves, uh, especially when it came to their very late apology, especially when it came to them 
banning another uh, team in a college tournament later that week. No, they 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 didn't. Oh, they, they didn't. didn't? Touch that. They didn't touch oh, that. Oh no, they didn't. They they did not touch that, but they cut the so basically to run that thing to, to make sure that we get everything right. After the the weekend passed, I think it happened on like a Friday, and then like the Monday or so, they had um there was a college tournament in the United States, and the very first people that came on, the very first team that came on had a a cardboard thing saying ban Blizzard uh, support Hong Kong. Oh, uh, support Hong Kong boycott Blizzard. Yeah, right. I'm also going to point out if we're saying anything wrong, mm-hmm. please make sure that you actually tell us in chat or in the videos if you're yeah. watching this post the the live thing. So I'm not quite sure which one of us said it, like the the apology thing. Blizzard didn't actually apologize. No, they did not. They absolutely did not. There was no word of apology in there. But that came later on. That came later on that that entire thing. So in the meantime, you had this this college tournament where people held up the sign and then they weren't banned, as you rightfully say, but they cut all the interviews and all the webcams so people couldn't hold up any more signs. And then um, they came out with this with this amazing letter which in which they admitted no fault and which wasn't really addressed to the community at all. Um, it was it wasn't really addressed to to gamers. It was more so to explain what a, a shoutcaster is, what a tournament is, and what these tournaments are supposed to mean. So I don't think it was necessarily meant to be read by people that were actually involved in watching these tournaments or to their own community community itself, and. Then they also canceled today. They canceled their Nintendo Switch event in New York City. That was really yes. They canceled it. This is news to me. Like I've I've not heard this, so I'm glad you caught that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was fairly deliberately delivered on uh, Friday late to avoid news. But yeah. I think it's an interesting topic. We do need to have like a certain angle because we just I just want to like go over some of the major facts that happened within this story so that we all are kind of up to speed. And then let's zero in on well where we um want to enter this in, enter the debate on. Sure. Okay. So other sides of this, um the community's backlash, the 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 internet's Mhm very strong negative reaction to mm-hmm. what blizzard did the fact that the internet is strongly trying to make may a character from overwatch if you don't play overwatch banned in china that that's mm-hmm. absolutely hilarious the what what else have we got that that apology Mm-hmm. Uh, email, sorry, letter that Blizzard sent out. What other crazy things have happened? Yeah, it's it's oh the the call to protest at uh, BlizzCon mm-hmm. and the website. Oh God, Lars sent me this website. the The website that asks gamers, sorry, game developers to publicly release their information i've I've put it in chat and i'm going to paste it to you as well so 
it, it, it's about like the gamers for freedom. So, what angle do you want to like tackle this at first? All right, I actually want to go and before we start, I want to actually try and play a little bit of Devil's Advocate on. We've been seeing a lot of um, voices against it, and I, I'm strongly strongly against blizzard and what they did here but let's try and see this in a little bit of like a nuanced light because i don't want to just run in hat first and try and like repeating all the mantras that that everyone has been saying because of them like we're kind of wasting time i want to try and take a look at how this might have been done and what what are some things that come up to that, that come up with me when um when i see something like this happening from a content creator point of view from a streamer point of view, and then also see why I'm so thoroughly against it. So, to, expl to, to, to explain it like this, when I'm creating content, I never really go into politics or drama or any major conflicts. That's not because I don't have an opinion on them. That's not because I don't think that they're worth mentioning. That's also not because I am... Um, afraid that people will have ideas or that people might disagree with me or because I don't support it. The thing is, is that I create content which is supposed to be fun. I want to create fun YouTube videos. I want to create fun streams where we just hang out and have fun with things. And at the same time during this framecast, normally we talk about Warframe and Warframe or other games. And I just want to talk about games. It's like, cool. Let's talk about that. Not everything is going to have to be about politics. Not everything is going to have to be about these hot button issues, especially when a lot of people can be very conflicted about it and not really open to discussion. Now, some things are a lot more sensitive and controversial than other topics. I do think that the support of democracy is something which I really, really endorse. Free speech, I really, really endorse. When you're trying to take people's freedoms away, I think that is a really bad move. So that's something that I would, I would never silence. So from that standpoint, it's not that I don't want to talk about it. It's just that whenever someone comes out, I've had last year where a streamer came out to me and was trying to uh, disrupt my uh, uh, professional relationships with Warframe. And I was like, I could address it because it's a really bad thing that's concerning me. And I thought it was a really weird thing that was happening. But at the same time, I never addressed it because I don't think that these things are worth bringing attention to. I'd much rather bring attention to having a fun time within Warframe, uh, talking about a new update or doing a framecast about an update than talking about some negative things. Because after all, we all come here to have fun. So from that point of view, I can understand that if I'm organizing a tournament and people come in after they win, they're always going to say, what what's on their mind and whatever they feel they, they stand for and they just want to do like in one single like burst and in one single shout without like having it without it being like a measured discussion or anything related to the topic of the game at hand. I can understand that you're not very pleased with that. That's not something that which like the platform isn't suited for. That being said, I think that by trying to Get rid of the discussion. You're basically, even if you may have intended, taking a stance, which maybe you did not intended, but it really looks like you're taking a stance, which is one that I don't support. At the same time, 
has to, if this had, if this has had happened before, then we might have had an example. I don't think that it has happened before, and I don't think that if someone came forward and made a statement on climate change that they would have been banned in the exact same way. So, I can understand, but I think it is super overreacting. And if it was just under that motto, but it is looking like it's making a stand, pre making a stance like pretty like clearly. So I agree with you, and I personally have to be careful on what I say because. We in the UK have the things like the Digital Communication Act mm -hmm. or something along these lines. And I'm not I'm not gonna read it out verbatim. I am, however, going to highlight uh, a story of a certain Count Dankula mm -hmm. and point out that this law was used to fine him a metric truck ton of money. Mm -hmm. At no point in time did anyone come forward and said that they felt to be the victim of what he was doing. Mm -hmm. I cannot go into detail about what he has done, be simply because I don't want my words used against me. I mean, and... I, can, I can explain it for you if you want to, because I don't live in the UK. So, uh, do you guys not have anything equivalent to the? I'm not too worried about it. I'm just explaining a joke. So, basically, what he did was taking a very edgy, dark joke in which he referenced um, a second world war, made a second world war reference towards the Nazis, and it was portrayed as a joke. It was put out as a sarcastic joke video. And yeah, it uh, it was it was it was an attempt to make something the most the most hideous thing that he could ever see. He ruined something perfect, and by making it aligned to that, and that was supposed to be the joke. And he got uh, sued for the joke. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you realize well, what I was doing then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Sorry, I, 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 I had to, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, he made he made a what the UK government considered, or the UK judicial system considered an um, inappropriate use of the public platform uh, mm -hmm. known as the internet, and it was considered a hate crime. Mm -hmm. So he was fined a metric truck ton of money. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't agree with what happened there. It means mm -hmm. that people can readily take offense to what has happened. And in some light, it can be seen that the reason why DE did... Oh, DE. Blizzard. The reason, the reason why Blizzard... So I'm so used to saying DE. Right? The reason why Blizzard did this is because they wanted to avoid any form of offense right to people that could take offense from it you know i watched a video from jim sterling 
mm-hmm. where he was constantly called out to be was it Jim Sterling? Yeah, I think it was. Where he was constantly being called out to be racist mm-hmm. because he was covering the topic. And it's like how how can you say that at all? How can you you know and people will take offense wherever they can. Right? We we have such a blame culture, like, oh it's your fault for not doing this, or it's your fault for doing that, or you know, and yeah. So I can at some point see that Blizzard were trying to cover their backside, but they went way too far. Yeah. Way, way too far. To 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 give you a little insight um into what the consequences are. This is not a NHL, NBA, whatever, pro league player in regular traditional sports that is getting a six months or one year initial one year and then six year ban, uh, six month ban. No, this is this is esports. This is shoutcasting, which do pretty well with their prize money for for tournaments, but it's not a very luxurious job. Like in streaming in content creation and online entertainment, there is a lot of money, but it isn't readily available and it isn't for everyone. So those six months could mean an end of a career for any of these people that are being that are being banned because yes, um Blitzchung was banned, but the you could say the shoutcasters can find another job, but it's gonna be really hard if you're put in this situation and every company is taking on this PR idea that Blizzard has to to then find a job as a shoutcaster, so it could mean literally the end of your career. Six months, you might not you might not be able to survive. So it is really, really, um, like it's a really, really tough sentence. Now, uh, I, as I said, I can see it a little bit playing Devil's Advocate, and I can see it that you do not want to. Um, offend people then again no matter what you do you'll offend people <laughs> that's a matter of fact this will offend people <laughs> that's also a matter of fact but i think that it was that the i that the excuse or argument of offense was a very interesting one because who was going to take offense to it because basically the message as it was received was a message for democracy for free speech and against a tyrannical government and they shut it down now that for an american company is really really interesting that is something which has uncovered a lot more which uh i don't know if um you have seen as well that people have been on the hunt for looking for other companies that have had that have severe influence or have have been influenced through China or possibly influenced through China um, and have taken some interesting actions because of it. I think that it's it's potential it's, it's, we don't really know what's happened with blizzard right we don't know if blizzard were reacting to 
their Chinese partners or you know the Chinese shareholders, stakeholders turning around saying you need to react to this. I don't, don't think I don't no. think they did because they responded really quickly. So it's probably that they did it before there could even be a response. Potential. It could also be along the lines of, you know, this was during a time when US weren't available, mm -hmm. you know, so it was like one of the more local offices. It might have been the Taiwanese office where the actual tournament took place. And they had to react you know mm -hmm. and they, they they went too far and then it was like the us side of things that actually had to deal with it mm -hmm. like that so one okay so i want to i want to highlight some things mm -hmm. which may be a little weird of a tangent so when i put out a tweet yesterday asking if people would be interested in us talking about this the the second thing i did was I actually messaged DE and asked them, uh, would they be okay with us talking about this? Mm -hmm. Because I have a lot of respect for them, and I don't want to piss anyone off. And I don't want to lose my Warframe account that I have spent years putting time and effort into, especially when I still enjoy the game. Mm -hmm. However, I put a long, long time into uh, my Battle.net account, uh, I have played nearly every Blizzard game out there. Mm -hmm. And genuinely, from this shit show, uh, as, as in what Blizzard have done, if they were to ban my account, I couldn't give a flying fuck. Yeah, that's something that I'm actually interested in because you actually play a lot of their games or have played a lot of their games i've only installed battle the net to play destiny and thank god destiny is of it now yeah. so how do you feel as a like pretty um experienced veteran uh world of warcraft player um and any other games that you're playing of or played which were blizzard property how do you feel about that especially when you have these games which were or maybe still are pretty close to your heart and then this company doing this thing <laughs> this actually genuinely tugs at my heartstrings because i am so upset at them mm -hmm. right i loved blizzard's ips right i like i i do mean the past tense because i i think so when it was Blizzard in charge of things, because I don't, I don't see it as Blizzard anymore. I see it as Blizzard Activision mm -hmm. or Activision Blizzard. It's Activision that are fucking it. Can I? Do you want me to stop swearing? No, no problem. Go ahead. I mean, like I, I, I am quite enraged. Right? I've actually gone to the point of actually removing all of my Blizzard merchandise. Mm -hmm. from behind me right um i'm not going to get rid of them because i like them however mm -hmm. i'm not going to promote blizzard entertainment by having them there mm -hmm. i feel that um blizzard have gone awry 
because they have been too heavily influenced by Activision, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's the reason why Chris Metzen, one of the lead directors in World of Warcraft and Overwatch, left the company. Mm-hmm. I think it's the reason why Mike Morheim, the president and CEO of Blizzard Entertainment for God knows how many years, stepped down. Mm-hmm. I think it's the reason why Ben Broder um, suddenly wasn't there at BlizzCon anymore and why we have people and you know stand on stage and think that, oh, look. It's a mobile game. This is the highlight of the keynote of BlizzCon 2018. Everyone's gonna fucking love a bloody mobile game. Right, well, let me let me jump in on that because it's pretty much the, the tragedy of the growth of a company and the um, the eternal struggle of creative talent. So let me begin with creativity. Where does creativity come from? And this might be a long tangent, but follow me along here. So you're the most creative when you're faced with a struggle. Basically, well, basically the definition of, I wouldn't say definition, but a way of looking at creativity, of, of a creative idea, is when you're faced with an obstacle in which you cannot go around in the conventional ways. So you have to think of a different, out-of-the-box way to get around it. That's the point where people are most creative. When you when you're faced with something and you have to tackle it. Not when you when you can just like put it to the side. No, when you have to tackle something, but you can't go around it, so you have to think up your own way of getting around it. Now this might be around around something in, in life which is a tangible thing, but this might also be around when it comes to a a game. Like let's say Warframe was a game that was created the last moment. That was created, no, well, I wouldn't say last moment, but on the last efforts of digital extremes. Yeah. They could have gone bankrupt if Warframe failed. Would a company that is doing really, really well attempt to do an all-in on one game? Not necessarily. But they did. And Warframe DE did because they had to. And like when you are there at kind of wit's end, you'll try anything. You'll try anything because it can't get worse. That's when you're the most creative. So... Creative people, they need space, they need to like think against the, the traditional lines, they need to try things, they need to do things that are different. And some will, like a lot of them will fail. 90% of your creative endeavors will fail. 10% will work. And those 10% will have your 90% revenue. So like you'll get most of your, you'll get most of your reward from, uh, from the small, for, from like the 10% of what you do. And the other 90% will account for like the 10%. So... It's being creative is a very high risk, high return thing, but it creates like the most beautiful games, the most beautiful stories, the most beautiful things that we can, that we remember. Now, the problem is that creativity is not really scalable because if I create a game like Warframe, at a certain point, this game will, if it is successful, will have to require more people. Now, you can't have 200 people, 200 developers all go and let me try all these different things. And see what works. Because if 200 people are doing that, like you're not having a very efficient and structured team. So you're going to have to tell people to like, okay, you do this, you do that, you do that. And that's how it works with most companies. Like people will have a creative idea and then you're going to have the more traditional, hardworking people 
that will come in and do the job to get that idea on a high-scale production. But as that becomes more and more and more, as a company grows, the creative people, they're really creative, but they're not really good in working between the lines. So in order for the company to be successful, the creative people are kind of like pushed to the side because like, you know, it's not really like, come on, like don't don't try and like mess with it because it works now. Now we got to make it work. And that's when the creative people leave and the company becomes rigid and like pretty star in what it does and then it just kind of crumbles in the end or maybe some more creative people come in and they revitalize it and that's what you see with an Activision Blizzard why do they decide to announce a Diablo Immortal on their BlizzCon which is a mobile game well it's not a really good idea if it's a PC audience it's not really a creative game brand new game if it really looks like other clones out there but as I have seen today in a video by Jim Sterling, which I would recommend you guys watch, a single player, a single individual in Australia spent over $220,000 on a single Transformers mobile game. All by himself, this person spent $220,000 in microtransactions on this game. Over how long? I I'm not I'm not quite sure I don't I'm not quite sure whether this person even uh, has the wealth to do it maybe they have this money to just throw at it maybe they don't but um, this was announced by the developer itself on a developer conference where they said you gotta build microtransactions within your game structure because the because the amount of profit you can make out of them is endless. Sorry, so how much was it? 220,000 Australian dollars, which equates to about 150,000 US dollars. No, I'm, 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 I'm just like, oh, so let's, let's assume that this is over the course of five years. That can't be that. Like how, do we know how old this game is? Do we know what it's? It's, it's just a simple Transformers mobile game. Um, which isn't too special, according to Jim Sterling. And it's just like the time savers. That's what they spend it on. And the thing is, is that when you look at it, not from a creative perspective, not from a responsible or moral perspective, but just from a profit perspective, it's like, hell yeah, that's a good idea. We can make so much profit. It's not creative. It's not moral. But that's the way they look at it because they want to make money. And if you look at it from that perspective, a move to uh, to <laughs> silence free speech in order to be more in a more favorable condition within a country with a lot of inhabitants, with a lot of potential money and revenue, um, makes a lot of sense from that point of view. But it is completely immoral, I feel. So the game's called Transformers Earth Wars. Mm -hmm. Like seriously, you just do a Google search for um, what you call Transformers mobile game, and you, you can. The game's only out since 2016. Yep, it is absolutely mad, and this is and this is the idea of whales, which is like this is why mobile games are, are so are so interesting because people do not go out and buy your game for sixty bucks. No, they're like, these games are manipulating you to continue to pay up for the speed-ups. And then little children or people that are prone to addiction or prone to spending money because there's tiny chunks of money every time, 
they'll throw the money at him. <gasps> That's 6.1 thousand um, Australian dollars a month. Mm-hmm. And we don't know. We don't know whether that person, maybe that person was Elon Musk and was able to pay <gasps> it. But most likely, this person might maybe not, may not be able to pay it. Maybe they have a addiction disorder. Maybe they're in very big debt. And instead of coming out and saying, hey, we have this person that spent 150000 or 220000 Australian dollars. Um, maybe we should like watch out that this doesn't happen. Or maybe we should check in with this person. No, no, no. They're proudly telling this on a conference saying, look at this. We got one person to spend 220000 Australian dollars on our single game. So go in mobile games and put in more microtransactions. That's more than I earn in a month. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just a single user on their game. That's that's criminal. That's that's fucking criminal. Like I'm I'm sorry that Christ. Mm -hmm. There should be some there should be some kind of cap, right? On how much you can spend a month. Well, there isn't because there's no regulation for it yet, but Trust me with be, this. Like, I, I, oh my god, like, that, that is criminal. You should not be allowed to pay that much money into... Fuck, I hope they're minted. Yeah, I hope so too. But most likely, I don't think so. Because one thing that I do... One, one thing that, that I have noticed and come to know more and more over the years is that money generally flows. So it's not always the same people that keep the money because let me put let, let me put this out. It's like the creative people, often creative ideas are high risk, high return. So if you have a good creative idea, you're going to get really, really rich sometimes. Not all the times, but sometimes. Um, but most of the times, the people that come up with the most creative ideas aren't the people that are the richest people in the world. Because as we said, the most creative ideas come at a time when you are in the biggest peril <laughs> well not necessarily throw yourself out there and try to like almost come to a near-death experience for the most creative ideas but like if you are if you're at this point where you have no other options but you gotta make this youtube channel or you gotta make this game work people generally come up with great ideas people that are within generations of rich families have a lower chance statistically speaking of keeping that money within the family because it flows However, what is keeping people generally rich is because most of the time, people that have more money might make smarter decisions, not spending a lot of money on the microtransaction game. Like, let me put this out there. Like, let's say as a game example, if I buy a Nintendo Switch and if I buy a $60 Mario game, I don't think Mario has microtransactions, but correct me if I'm wrong. If I buy that, then that is about 300, 400 bucks that I'm spending on that system plus the game. Now, let's say that I am not in the possession of the money to buy it, but I see a free mobile game and I get and I get it free on my mobile. On my mobile. And then I spend every day, I spend like about $2 on like, on like microtransactions because it's just $2 and it's just like, it speeds up the game. It makes it more enjoyable. At the end of the day, I will spend more than if I just bought the Switch. And that is something which people are really, really prone to. And I don't think that someone that has earned their way to the top with making smart business decisions would be spending $220,000 on something. Like a very simple mobile game. 
I think that this it's, is not right. So it's it's worse than that. so. Okay, first off, I got two questions. Sorry, two points. Yeah. Right. I'm gonna go with the first one. You keep that. In, no, actually, I'm gonna go with the second one first. Um, I think there is a lot of room for abuse when mm -hmm. it comes to microtransactions and subscription-based services. Right. I've said this. Like, how many subscriptions-based services are you paying for? Right. I remember going through my own list. And I kept on, oh, oh, I forgot about this. Oh, I forgot about this. Oh, I forgot about this. Oh, dear God, I forgot about this. You know, Netflix, um, what's it called? SoundCloud, TubeBuddy, um, oh, oh, God, like, Switch I, Online. I, I, I can add on to this where, like, I had it with Twitch. I was subscribing to a lot of people that I knew on Twitch. Yeah. And then when we had, like, charity events, you, you, you'd throw in, like, money to support a charity which is a good thing but like that would add up to a lot as well yeah and it it's it's just like you know we're, we're not talking small change here like you know if if you were to chart sorry uh subscribe to someone on twitch we're talking about two switch channels sorry twitch channels sorry switch twitch you know what I'm mm. <laughs> if you were to subscribe to two twitch channels that is your world of warcraft subscription for a month yeah just two mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and there's a lot of content creators that a lot of people want to support. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Going to $2 a month, sorry, a day, sorry. Yeah. Comes to 720 Sorry, did I get the math right on that? I feel I got the math wrong on that. Hold on. No, uh, no it's about 720 because you got 365 in a day. It's about, well, 730 about. Sorry, 730. I, I, sorry, I don't know why I came to this. Right. 730, right? So you got $730 or pounds or whatever mm -hmm. a year, right, in product. Right? Yeah. But then you add on things like, okay, well, you have to buy the game console. That's $300, mm-hmm. right? And then you have to buy the game as well. That's another $60, mm -hmm. right? So you're talking about effectively four hundred on top of the seven hundred and thirty dollars, and it's just like you don't need that extra money. You just want that extra money because what are you doing with this money, right? This is something that Jim Sterling constantly brings up, right? Why do you need that much money? Well, I let me let me point it let me point this thing out. Um, this is this is what I said in my Inside Fairy video, the very first time that I covered like console subscription services. Like, what are console subscription services, and why are they here, and why do you why do why do you now pay for going online? And the thing is, is that it pays out way better for these companies if you have this required subscription service for going online. And their reasoning is that if we can get money from people using the console. Like, uh, PlayStation expects to earn around between $700 and $1,600 per PlayStation that they sell just from online services. Which means that they're making far more money from you owning the console and using it than you buying it. Which was initially, Sony would only make money from you buying their PlayStation. And that would be the profit that they got. That that Like the profit that they got from that sale. That would be the money they made. And maybe from licensing games or like selling their own games, they would make some money. But it wasn't a lot in like from your individual purchase. Right now they're saying because we're expected to make this, we can make our consoles cheaper. So far I haven't seen that. And I do think that there is partly a good thing for it. 
if you look at Warframe, Warframe would not be allowed to exist in the way that it does if it was just a sale. It was like 60 bucks for Warframe. Then Warframe would not be able to continue the game development as it does right now. It would not be able to develop for six years and we would already have Warframe 5 by this point or Warframe 6 because that's the way they did it. However, it comes into a very interesting category or a very interesting um, place when you're talking about, well, is there a limit on microtransactions? Is there a limit to how much you can spend? And no, there isn't. And basically one thing, like I want to bring this up before like I hand it back to you is that I was playing this game called Epic 7 and I've talked about it on this game and I really enjoyed it uh, on, on this podcast and I really enjoyed it but I've uninstalled it because this game basically was a turn-based game and it was really it looked really nice it was like a sort of kind of anime game it was really fun to play but like the the movement was very basic. The attacks were very basic. The animations looked alright, but it was very basic. You basically did one single thing all the time. There was no real voice acting. There was no. It was it was a very basic bare bones game, but still it was riddled with microtransactions. So where you go and um, buy a Mario game, which hopefully will not have microtransactions. Let's say you buy a game that doesn't have microtransactions. You spend $60 and you get a pretty nice product, a really good crafted thing, which you spend your money on and hopefully is worth the money. But most of the time, mobile games and increasingly games like Anthem are games that are released at a bare minimum and will then pay over time. And there's no limit to how much you can pay for a set quality which might be less than a $60 game because it ships free. Like, they're, they're so, oh my god. This, this, so this, this, let's bring us back to Blizzard and this, this is a mission statement and a half. So many publishers, developers, whatever, they go for the minimum fucking effort, right? Not just the minimum viable product. No, just the minimum effort, right? Because the important part of an MVP is the viable part, mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, if we spend half an hour making a game, right, and then put it on social media, then... You know, there's going to be plenty of poor saps that are going to pay like five dollars towards the game. Oh, look, thousands upon thousands of dollars for five half an hour's worth of work, right? Mm -hmm. I don't understand why there aren't games that mimic DE's um, development model, right? Why must mobile games be the cheap pieces of crap that they are i um what's it called wasted hours like so i've i try really hard with a stead hard rule of i will not put money into a mobile game right mm -hmm. i have failed on a number of occasions mostly with the likes of clash royale but um that's really very very rare i put hours and hours into the raid shadow legends game mm -hmm. right i set up um what's it called the well yeah I'm just, I'm just gonna say this i set up the nox emulator 
on my PC. And at one point in time, I was having to work from home for mm. a week because I was so ill. At the same time, as I had my Mac in front of me, I had the the emulator up on the top monitor and like i would just start it off and then it would just autoplay itself mm -hmm. like it like i must have racked up hundreds of hours on that game not spend a single penny on it to achieve nothing at all well i i had the same thing with epic 7 which was a game that could play itself but um, I want to jump in on uh, something that Reku said. It's a, he said, I shouldn't be prevented from giving money to developers I want to support. Opinion from a venture capitalist. And he says, well, I'm trying to play devil's advocate. And see, I I want to I want to bring up the point against uh, a little bit against what you're saying with why can't every developer be like digital extremes? Why are they all pushing the minimum viable product? Well, no, 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 no. The important thing, not the minimum viable product, the minimum effort. The minimum effort. Well, I, I, I see. Like the hard thing that I that I want to. Uh, I, I was about to say I want to touch on, but then that gets really weird. But um, um, the thing is, is that I don't know what these people. So I don't know whether this was all that they could do, whether this was the least they could do. So I don't want to assume that with no knowledge about the team or no knowledge about the actual product, because we're talking more general products this time. However, um, the thing is, is that you're allowed to give your money to whoever you want to, and you're not obligated to not give it to someone, and you're not obligated to give it to someone. So if games are made that you don't like or people don't like but they continue to support it with money yeah you know ah uh, what are they gonna do um the thing though is is that with the idea of the minimum viable product with the idea of you know, of like the least amount of effort to get something in return i want to bring up the example of youtube because that's a place that i'm really familiar with and i think that aligns pretty well with um, this situation as well. That is that I've been spending three, four years on creating YouTube videos and I put a lot of effort in making them as good as I can. And I'm really glad with everyone that watches them, but I haven't made a single dime. Then there are also channels that will go and take a Reddit post. They will go and copy that all into text-to-speech and make a 10 to 20 minute video every day of Reddit posts just being read out by text-to-speech. For some reason, Google recommends them and a lot of people watch them and they make a lot of money. Think about reaction channels. People, this was a bigger thing a few years ago, people just sit and watch other people's videos for the entire length and they just put it up four videos a day of them just sitting watching videos of other people. Full-length videos of other people. People subscribe to them. YouTube recommends it. They make a lot of money. And it's like, well, the creative endeavors that you're talking about with where Warframe is one that is very uh, successful, they don't always work. They're very scarce in working. However, the things that these... Um, 
these low effort things prey on is not investing a huge bunch of effort into one single thing like they did with Warframe or I try to do with my channel is what they're trying to do is try and find the magic thing that works and then like shoot out as many attempts as possible and whatever works they stick with. And some could say that that is a more efficient method because as a result, I've been working for four years. I haven't made money from making videos, but other people have made a lot of money from making these very simple videos. Now, why is that? Well, how could people pay money or pay attention to these things which are lower quality or do or, or like are, are these low effort things? It's because if you make a bunch of variations, one is going to work. And one of the things that I discovered when it came to these mobile games is that they feature a lot of colors, they feature a lot of animations, and they feature a lot of direct positive feedback and anticipation on very quick, rewarding, positive feedback if you do another thing. And they're very psychological things. Like, the reason that you're sitting in a room and there's a TV and your eyes go to it is because you're 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 attracted. You're naturally attracted to light and, and, and colors and certain colors. Like, if it's very, like, saturated, colorful colors, that, that looks like fruit. That looks like really ripe fruit. So you'll be attracted to it. That's the same thing that these games do. And they work. And they work in a large number of people. Also because it are small amounts of money. It's like a dollar. What are you going to do with a dollar? It's like, ah, if you lose it, who cares? And if you do it then twice a day, it's like, it's $2 a day. But over the entire year, you could have bought two switches from that money. So, yeah, like the low effort thing, even though it is not the greatest moral good, it is something which works really well. And as long as people are paying for it, and watching it or giving it the attention it gets like yeah you could argue that it's a bad thing that a company like Activision does it but let's take an example of a college student that is in massive debt and then decides to make very quick and easy reddit videos and oh my god he's making thousands of dollars a month is that a bad thing I don't know damn damn son damn so, okay, first off, is there a difference between a college student doing this and a AAA publisher like Activision doing this? Mm -hmm. Personally, the answer is yes, I think there is, right? When you are limited to only using your mobile phone as a camcorder to actually record your videos, you know, it's what you can do. Mm -hmm. Right, but if you opt to choose to just use your uh, your mobile phone and nothing else, you know, and you know you grow from it, then maybe you're on the right track, right? Maybe you know pushing it up higher gives you the opportunity, you know, like to to get like a proper webcam or to get like a DLSR camera or. <laughs> You know, to just just to improve the production, you know, mm -hmm. you have greater opportunities, mm -hmm. right? You you could, but if you want to maximize your profits, right? If all you care about is making money, I mean, the thing that really rattles my cage, going back to Blizzard, is Activision actively stopped the development of a StarCraft first-person shooter, mm -hmm. right, 
in order to do Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4. Diablo 4, was it? No, was it just the Overwatch 2? Did they stop? No, they might have stopped StarCraft, sorry, StarCraft for FPS and Diablo 4 in order for an Overwatch 2, right? Mm -hmm. Overwatch doesn't need a fucking 2. Mm -hmm. That is just getting fucking greedy, mm -hmm. right? Oh, look, Call of Duty's not doing so well. I know, let's release a second Overwatch. <laughs> Why? The old one's not that old. The first one's not that old. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I, I don't know, man. And like, oh, but like Overwatch was minimal effort for such a top quality, high um, selling product. The fuck it was, right? Overwatch is off the backbone of something called Project Titan, which was supposed to be a first-person MMO. Mm -hmm. The problem was, it failed. The project flat-out failed, and they had to scrap it. They took the resources that were left behind to create Overwatch. And Activision think to themselves, hey, you know, you don't need to put that much effort to make a, uh, a good AAA title. Fuck off. Yeah. It's... I'm not passionate about this in the slightest. I don't know no, 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 no. Absolutely not. I don't, I don't hear the slightest hint about that. No, it's... I think it is, as I said, it's a very... Um, as I said before, it's a very different way of thinking. I think that when a company gets to that point, a lot of creative minds have either moved out or they are very well kept in their cages in order to not stir up the entire company. And I can understand that you want to make as much revenue as possible when it comes to leading a company and being responsible for all the um to payouts to to your em employees and being responsible for their livelihoods and being responsible for the future of the company you never know you never know what the future will behold but you know you know you can't really sell out your your moral ethics you can't really sell out your the thing is is that like let me put it like this you may be able to release a low effort game then you saved your money on the game on the development, but it costs you in consumer uh, trust. And that is something which I think Blizzard, bringing it back to Blizzard, is something that costs them dearly. After their apology, which they doesn't really an apology and was very conflicted by another tweet in China, um, their stock went up. Back again yeah. to the level that it was. But no, it's, it's higher. It's higher. It, it's it's gone higher. It's gone even higher. Yeah. But the thing is, is that this costs them a lot of consumer trust, which may not be in the price right now, which may not be seen in the stock right now or in the direct sales. But I tell you that I will think twice or three times or four times before I see a game with Blizzard on it and think, I'm going to buy that. I don't think I will. And... Uh, yeah, hopefully more people will, because <laughs> I don't like them very much. Yeah, it's it's um. So if the best image to look at for like Blizzard's stock level is the five year one. If you go to Google and you type in Activision Blizzard stock, you can actually see the 
stock levels and everything for Blizzard and how they've done and stuff. And before, just before, <laughs> just before the BlizzCon announcement, it was worth $83.19 to the share, right? As soon as they announced bloody um, name of the game, um, Diablo Immortal, it dropped like a stone. And it's been low uh, ever since. But since this whole China thing, it has actually been going back up, which is just mental, right? It is absolutely crazy i think michelle's in the process of trying to sort out his camera yes i'm trying to see if we can get the stock okay, on so the screen. We, st we still we still have a michelle right here we go um now it's been really clear for a while now that blizzard have been phoning it in right the what's it called the latest world of warcraft expansion is just awful Right, they they you know people complain about WoW's sorry not WoW Warframe's RNG no oh, no oh, fucking WoW's RNG is just utter garbage right mm -hmm. they, they actually you know you have to get loot out in the real world in order to actually be able to do rate it's 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 a crock then you actually have what's the name of the the other game um, Starcraft they couldn't give a crap about Diablo they've pretty much just slammed into the floor and said shut up overwatch overwatch is dying right mm -hmm. overwatch is really heavily dying because no one no one's playing it you know Fortnite came out that's it overwatch is dead um what else is there um you know and then the the, the keynote so not let, let's not focus on diablo immortal but the big announcement from Blizzard last year was that they're remaking Warcraft 3. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why? It's because to create something new, you must be creative. And there is no guarantee in yeah, making something new. You have to take a new. risk. You and have that, to take a risk. And that is something which um, it is not the hardest thing to create something new or something a great idea it's not hard to have a great idea it is harder to actually realize that idea then it's even harder to if you have realized that idea to bring it to the attention to people then if you have brought it to the attention to people it's even harder to make people like it but it's insanely harder if you've made something that people like to then make something new that they like again look at the Star Wars movies, which is like they made their original trilogy. People love that. Then the prequels came. People love that a little less. And then they're doing whatever they're doing now. And it's a mixed bag. It's it's pretty hard to follow up on things and keep revolutionizing. That's why a company like Apple did really well years of like years ago when they made computer when they made when they revolutionized the computer system when they revolutionized the um ipod mp3 player thing when they when they i revolutionized the phone market when I'm, they created the I'm, tablet thing but i'm gonna now, fight you back on this okay right good sir i'm gonna fight you back on this with blizzard's own products all right right so first of all we had Warcraft, mm -hmm. right? 
which did very well, but instead of leaving it in the in the the sort of like low end effort to make the next thing, mm-hmm. which was um, which was either Warcraft two or Starcraft, I'm not entirely sure, but the original images for Starcraft, right? I'm going to see if I can actually find them on Google because they're really iconic to how the game looked way back when in the Warcraft 1 or 2 engine. Ah, here it is. Found it. So this is what Starcraft... Oh, God, give me a break. No, come back. Come back. Hold on. Hold on. I can do this, guys. I can do this. I promise. I promise. Um, open image in new tab. Yes. So this is what Just Starcraft... put it in Discord and I'll open it up. Yeah. So this is what Starcraft looked like, right? Right after the backbone of whichever Warcraft it was, one or two, right? Really bright colors, right? Exceptionally bright colors. And that that isn't what they were trying to go for, mm-hmm. right? You know, they, they, they wanted it to be more serious, more sci-fi, more everything. And then now, StarCraft, I, I don't know if you can find a let's that one that one will do so if i go open a new tab and i'll send this to you as well go all right so this this is what they ended up with with starcraft it looks so much more realistic right you know it's so much more down to earth not gigantic bright colors as if it was out of um which got you know as if a teletubby bathed on um which got on my monitor, you mm-hmm. know, and they they took it to the next level, and nearly every Blizzard game has been a triumphant success, right? You know, um, until Blizzard left the Vendy, where yeah they had pretty much free reign to do what they wanted, but they still had to produce products, and then they decided so they they had a partnership with. Uh, Activision and Activision were going to be their publisher, but they couldn't tell Blizzard what to do until they suddenly started putting in things like the real money auction house mm-hmm. for Diablo 3. And there's less and less content in World of Warcraft. And, you know, and when, you know, and I'm pretty damn sure, like, when they were phoning it in. Like you could you could see when they started phoning it in things with like time travel and fucking World of Warcraft like fuck off, mm-hmm. right? No, I understand that. So, if you give people the opportunity to care about their product, to make the product that they are happy with, they will make an amazing product that everyone will be happy with, right? That's I don't want to get give that as a guarantee though. Because, no. because yeah, no, like it's... like most likely people will work better if they work on something that they, they love. But creative endeavors are high risk, high return. And like, yeah. yes, the high return will be there if it succeeds and people do be creative and they make the thing that they love. But in a lot of cases, they will make the thing they love and it won't work. And they want to put that out. I, I mean, okay, may... so, so, so I just want to jump in there. Do you love what you make with your YouTube channel? Yeah. 
so is it massively successful? <laughs> yeah, that's a matter of opinion because every single time I tell people how many subscribers I've got on YouTube at work, they're like, holy crap, you've made it at YouTube. And I'm like, nah, man. Nah, man. No, nah, man. So, no, but, but is... like, that's the thing. It's like there's a massive amount of people on YouTube, as an example, that make really passionate things and that aren't PewDiePie successful. And that, yeah. and as you say, there are different standards for being successful. But mm. like, I do want to make sure that that uh, that it's clear that it's like it's not a guarantee that if you make people do what they love to do, that it will be a success. It's a greater chance that people will put in more effort if they like what they are doing. I will one hundred percent give you that. But okay, like, yeah, sure. I, the, I, the I, message, I, the message I'm trying to convey mm -hmm. is that. If you are happy with the end product mm -hmm. that you have made, right, you will do better, yeah, right, than a product that you don't care about. Mm -hmm. 100%. I mean, if you if you look at um, th there were two games that I know of that Blizzard canned, which was um, Warcraft: Lord of the Clans, which was a point and click adventure game that you can find on the likes of YouTube, right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that they were like, no, this is too silly, right? Point and click adventure games, they're just too silly. This is not the direction we want to take the Warcraft franchise. And they axed it. They just canned it, right? Mm -hmm. And then there was StarCraft Terran Ghost, right? Which was originally supposed to be like Metal Gear Solid, right? Mm -hmm. And then they started, oh, let's, let's put in like Battlefield 1942. That's a game that everyone's liking at the moment. And then... They, were, they, they sort of sat down and looked at it. It's like, oh, what is this mess? And they axed it, right? It was supposed to come mm -hmm. out on the PlayStation 2. They just axed it. Mm -hmm. Because it was... But Project Titan couldn't get it to work. They axed. And then we got Overwatch. And that is apparently fucking amazing. Yeah, well, I... I do... I do largely agree with you. I do want to... Um, Watch out that we're not looking for um, confirmation cases because, like, I feel that the Kuvalet system in Warframe is going to be better, I'm not quite sure, than the Kingpin system that they originally showed. But I think it will be. However, we could have said half a year ago that there were people very passionately working on a Kingpin system and then it got axed. And then they used the remains to create the Kufalit system. So you don't, like, I don't think that we can necessarily say that in all cases, it will be bad. In all cases, it will be, uh, it is a bad idea to act something. So um, I do want to, uh, <laughs> someone says, well, Overwatch is entertaining, but they give in too much into censoring for their characters. It's, it's like, would titan have been as successful as overwatch is we don't know and like i, I just want to put that bit big asterisk there because it is very easy to say like i i do believe in entirely in that you should make people do what they love and you shouldn't accent but it isn't a magical world where that always works <laughs> so so, so here, here we don't know why they axed it for no start, we don't right but had they been able to produce the game that they wanted to mm -hmm. i think 
that maybe it wouldn't have been as successful on the initial launch as Overwatch, mm-hmm. but I think many, many more people would still be playing it today. Was, on another topic, was the Battle Royale the original thing that the Fortnite creators wanted to create? Or was that the Save the World and then they adopted the Battle Royale? And yeah, so what became it, massively more popular and brought them a lot more success. Yet you say that, and they are hemorrhaging players. On the initial launch, uh, Overwatch, oh God, Overwatch, Fortnite had 250 million players, mm-hmm. right? As of active players. As of, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. They're down to like 67. Just 67. (laughs) Yeah, just 67. Only 67 (laughs) players. No, 67 million players. Oh, what's the difference, man? What's the the difference? Well, it's like, I mean, I think it's to be expected that some trends die down. And I think that we are also experiencing that with Warframe, and we're experiencing that with different games. It's really tough to remain relevant. But then again, I mean, we can talk about what would have been, what is, and that's like a really um, fake discussion. Let's um, jump back to Blizzard. I saw someone talk about uh, the China manipulation um, being everywhere. That's something which really um, got my attention for this thing where... um, because of a policy within a country, a different country, a international corporation acts in a certain way which would which would be deemed or could be deemed amoral in the country that it originated from or anywhere else in the world. I felt that that was a very concerning thing, especially when it comes to removing things, especially when it comes to um, naming things according to the way that they perceive it and not according to the way that other people perceive it. I do also want to point out one of the things that um, you brought up earlier is that even though like it really concerns me when it comes to um, when I hear about it, that it um, that like American companies are being manipulated by the Chinese government, that sounds really scary. On the other hand, one thing that you said was that before this podcast, you checked in with Digital Extremes because you wanted to make sure that they were all right or that there wouldn't be repercussions of you doing this podcast here. Uh And when you brought that up to me, that you contacted them, I was initially surprised and I was a bit confused about it because personally, I see myself as an individual entity. I see myself as an individual standalone business, which is what my channel is. And... I want to be, as part of my business plan as it is, as honest as I can be. And I want to be able to say whatever I can to be as truthful as I can towards my viewers. Because I think that within the within the ideal that I have, I think that truth is the most important and I will always want to speak the truth. And I don't want anyone impeding on that. But I could also understand when you said that, hey, I would love to talk about this, but if it means that... I might lose my Warframe account because, let's face it, Warframe has a giant Chinese investor and they might not be too keen on people that are 
partnered with um, digital extremes talking about certain things which may, they might deem offensive, which they might act upon and say, we don't want this to happen, which has, you, you talked about a League of Legends or so, where they have stated that people can't talk about this. Um, it is something where it's like, we're not necessarily being manipulated by China, but it is something which, through people being very precautious and not wanting to bear the responsibility or wanting to make sure that they keep opportunities open, that they want to be super careful about what they do. And I think that that's a really interesting thing in how do we go about this and what does it mean necessarily? Because I'm not quite sure. <laughs> so I think... I think one of the he sings his praise sorry their praises. One of the great things about DE is the fact that they they are open to what people say. They they don't mm -hmm. like to stifle anything that anyone has to say, which in a sense is a way of encouraging people to say good things. Right? You can't say that we don't like you saying bad things about us. They don't do that. Right, mm -hmm. I've seen plenty of publishers like Warner Brothers and things that say you cannot talk about this part of uh, oh God, Shadows of Mordor. You know, mm -hmm. we don't we don't want people to talk about this part. You know, that's under oh, what's embargo, right? Mm -hmm. You can't talk about it. You know, um, Destiny Two, right? Um, I think Destiny Two did it. I may be wrong, but th there have been plenty of instances where reviewers of games cannot talk about the game until the game's release mm -hmm. because they are hoping that those pre-order numbers right stay high enough to make sure that it makes the charts look good for them because a lot of people tend to buy based mm -hmm. on the charts a lot of people tend to buy based on reviews I, i'll be honest i order takeout based on the number of positive reviews for a takeout mm -hmm. i'm not gonna lie like I, I avoid like low numbers uh same with products from amazon mm -hmm. right it has to be a minimum price weird as it sounds it has to be a minimum price and it has to have a surplus of good reviews mm -hmm. right so talking back to those instances if a company like Riot Games turned to me and said, look, you cannot turn uh, to your audience who you are an influencer of. Like, imagine I had a big audience. <laughs> um, what you call and, you know, talk about how bad these situations are. Then, you know, like, I, I honestly, I would be in a situation where I would want to walk. The only problem is, for me personally, I am friends with a lot of people at DE, right? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to offend anyone, right? I personally, I should have checked beforehand that they were like this. This is this is how I see it, right? Mm -hmm. I don't see that they owe me anything, and I don't see that I owe them anything. But mm -hmm. they are my friends, and I don't want to upset, them, right? Mm -hmm. And likewise, I hope they don't want to upset me. You know? <laughs> And I, you know, I, you know, I, I know we've had our differences with Ember. No, I'm joking. Right. But the, so the big thing is like, I respect them as developers. Mm -hmm. What were you going to say? Well, a part of it is, is that 
you are also an official Warframe partner. And yes. personally, I feel that one thing that people get massively wrong, and this also showed up with uh, Twitch recently, with Twitch partners, which is basically the same thing. We have, we've had this discussion in, in, in the Warframe partnership, and last week it showed up on Twitter of Twitch partnership. And I kind of want to address this on the podcast as well. Um, these partnerships are very public teams the way that they're presented you can go to the page where it says warframe partners and you can see all this the, the list of all these partners and you can go to a twitch partner they probably have a list of them and you can look at all these partners and they seem to be a great group of people all together however even though it is a collective title it is an individual relationship I have an individual, well, like, we all have the same contract, but we all have our partnership with Warframe. So I have a partnership with Warframe. You have a partnership with Warframe. That's all separate from each other. It is, we have a professional relationship with the company Digital Extremes or with Warframe. And because we're in such great numbers and because it works well, they have this one umbrella term, which is Warframe partnership, just as Twitch has Twitch partnership. When people then come around and say, hey, why is this person a Warframe partner? Why is this person a Twitch partner? Because last week, the people were talking that um, Twitch partners that don't make numbers should be removed from the program to uh, make the program like the small elite that it was. And we've had that same discussion about Warframe partners. The thing is, is that it is not a group. It is not a um, a, 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 a a elite selected group that is like, here, look at the council of Twitch. It's like, no, it is people that have individual relationships with that company. Most of the time, the relationships aren't like a one-to-one where people like talk with their rep all the time, but it is their business relationship. No one except for them has business with that. I don't have business with your Warframe partnership. You don't have business with my Warframe partnership. Neither is that the case in Twitch partnership. So the only way that the only parties that affect that are the people that are involved in that partnership, either Warframe or me. And if either of us don't feel comfortable with it, we can end it. So I do want to make that clear when it comes to partnerships is that it is something which has been really weird in the in like the public eye sometimes, where it's like, oh, it's to be this group of elite people. It's like it's not a group. It is not a group. I made the same mistake. I thought it was a group of people too. I thought it was a group of people that we could socialize and band together and create cool things with. But it's not a group of people. It's just people that happen to have the same sort of partnership. So back on to the partner thing is that. You being a Warframe partner, even though I don't necessarily think that it means something as you belonging to a group, it does show that you have business relationships with a company, in this case, Warframe. And if it would mean that a investor of Warframe would have problems with one of their partners speaking out against certain things that they don't like, then they might have a decision to make where either they have to kick the partner or they have to see negative consequences from the investor. And then they have to make a sum. And I've seen, even in the case of Warframe, that the sum doesn't always land on the caring about the individual. It most oftentimes lands on what is the most effective solution for the company. And like... 
on that point, I can understand that you would be wise to check whether it would have repercussions. Because if you want to continue your relationships with boyfriend, then that would be something nice to know in, in advance. That said, I also pointed out when you when you brought it up that if Warframe were to say that there would be consequences of us talking about it, I would talk about it irregardless because I stand by myself <laughs> and yeah, I will I mean, stand for my individual like morals. Yeah, like if, <laughs> as I said, if if uh, Blizzard turned like I mean. I think that it's it's a unique case by case basis, mm -hmm. right? If um, I, I I've done it before, you know, I've done Articulate Atlas, right? Uh, I I sent it to D. I said, you know, um, are you guys cool with me releasing this? Um, they said that they weren't entirely happy with the type of content it was, um, but they're not going to stop me from releasing it. I released it. And then ultimately, I decided I wasn't happy with the type of content it was. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not even sure if I've pulled it now. Um, and you know, likewise, I'm. I if I was to have that relationship with Blizzard, with YouTube, with uh, anyone else, like I would take their feelings into consideration, right? At least I try to, mm -hmm. but. At the same time, I can appreciate that there is this more professional relationship had with, you know, the the, the shoutcasters and Blizzard with Blitz um, Blitzchung and the contract he had, and he knew that he broke the contract. He he spoke about this in a post interview, post shitstorm interview. Mm -hmm. And he said that he was sorry for the ramifications given to the shoutcasters because, like, you know, he knew he was going to get himself into trouble, but he didn't know that he was going to get them into trouble. And that's the sort of thing that I consider, right? Am I talking about this, who could potentially represent someone like Digital Extremes, going to cause problems for them? Is someone going to potentially lose their job? over shit like this right and i think for us for de for you know the relationship they have with their partner that isn't an issue right but there are instances where it is an issue and take into consideration blizzard they could have handled this a lot easier mm -hmm. right i think but, the biggest problem with what they did is that first of all, it was even if they did not want to make a stance or if they wanted to be the impartial side, they came up very partial against a very moral issue, a very moral standpoint. And afterwards, their actions have been very, very, I would say... They haven't been very truthful, especially when there were very mixed messages for many channels. There has not been an apology. There is the way they've been about it has been very sneaky that even if you were to try and act and try and believe in good faith, which I'm trying during this 
debate to do as much as possible because I don't want it to be a two hours where we're just like, oh, yeah, they're bad. Yeah, they're really bad. Oh, yeah, they're bad. Even though I do think they're bad. Um, <laughs> but um, that wouldn't be productive. I do think that because of the way that they handled it, it's really Can... hard to like, yeah. I, I want to jump on something that you said earlier. It was it was the first point um, that I never got to because honestly, I completely forgot what the first point was. <laughs> um, so one thing that is becoming more and more apparent mm -hmm. is that there are a lot of individuals that like to sit upon their mountain of dollar bills and do nothing with it. Mm -hmm. right honestly like i am so happy with at the company that i work for so one of the great things about where i work is that every year they take us away on holiday somewhere mm -hmm. right they pay for it the company pays for it from the profits of the year mm -hmm. which is just amazing mm -hmm. right how many companies can you say do that right mm -hmm. We're not, a, uh, we're not a massive company, right? But at the same time, why do the the big wigs, the fat cats, the whatever you want to call them, the, the, the executives, why do they need to earn? Okay, so I used to work at the University of Birmingham. Mm -hmm. And at the time, so this is going back a number of years now, my... Um, the, the vice chancellor at the University of Birmingham was earning, I think, £470,000 a year. Mm -hmm. £470,000. What the hell are you going to spend that money on? Well, the theoretical idea, and, you, and then this, this is something that gets broken a lot of times, and in most of these cases, you will feel it's unfair because you know that person is in that position and earning so much for something they don't deserve. But in the theoretical world, the reason why people that are higher up earn more is because they have to deal with the responsibility. And that is something which I, as a small business owner which isn't a very successful business, but it's a business that runs some channels, have encountered a lot more uh, and have gotten to learn a lot through doing this and being out of the standard school and work circuit. So if I am working for someone, then I can do a good job, I can do a bad job, but if I'm at the end of my day, I can close off, can go home, I'm home. It's not my job. If I'm home... It's not my job. Ideally, that's also the case. Sometimes people get called in over for overtime, which is a bit bad, but sometimes this happens. But most of the time, you can just leave your job your job. And if you fuck up at your job really badly, then at the worst case, you get fired and you no longer have a job. That really sucks. But if you own the company, like I, with, I own my YouTube channels, if I am lazy today if i'm not doing anything or if i just tank this stream and do something so badly that everyone unsubscribes then is that an option 
I don't know. Then there's zero money coming towards my company. Then it's over. Then I can do really, really bad. Now, I don't have anyone working beneath me. But if I do, then I'm also responsible for their livelihood. And that is something which you cannot escape from closing the door. Because the thing is, is that if I am back home, even though my, my work is at home, but even if my work, even if I'm somewhere else, that is time that I could be working. And every moment that I work would progress my company. So I can never leave work. It's a responsibility where if I am working for someone, they are responsible for me. So if I make a mistake, they might fire me. But in the end, they're responsible for the mistakes that I make. That responsibility is a very precious thing. It's Well, precious is the wrong word. That's a very like heavy no, I, thing. I, so like, so I, yeah, go ahead. So I understand exactly where you're coming from, mm -hmm. right? But what is the value to an individual where they're earning five hundred thousand pounds a year compared to earning a hundred thousand pounds a year, right? I could earn, say, a uh, hundred thousand pounds a year, and I could pay you mm -hmm. or Joey thirty thousand pounds a year to do YouTube content, mm -hmm. right? Yeah? Mm -hmm. I'm I'm earning my uh, my keep and I'm earning your keep, mm -hmm. right? I am earning my keep and I'm earning my girlfriend's keep. I'm earning my keep and I'm earning my child's keep, right? That just doesn't exist anymore. It just it's just oh got to hoard all the money. Oh got to keep all the money, right? The, well, the top... well, actually like let me let me interject with that uh, real quickly. Because I actually know someone that owns his own business. And there they own a very, well, pretty successful business. And they're looking to expand into a new facility that should accommodate a lot more production, that should accommodate a lot more people to work there, and should accommodate a growth within the company that could lift it up and support more people. The thing is, is that in order to accommodate such a facility... Um, they have to put everything on the line, even personally. Now, some might say that they earn a lot, but then that they have a fairly luxurious life, which they do. They really they, they they do live they do have a better situation than other people. But in order to make this upgrade, they have to sacrifice and they have had people come over to like value what they own and put that up so that they can take this massive loan so they can set this thing up so they can build this facility now that is something which the people that work for the guy do not have to worry about they don't have to worry about putting everything that they own on the line to build the, to build this new facility so that the company may grow and so that they can hire more people so I can understand that when it comes to Jeff Bezos, like, does he need more money? Does Bill Gates need more money? No, I don't think so. But when is when do you not need more money? Like, that is a big question. And when though have you earned it? And when have you when, when when is it something that you don't earn? Because I may be able to get round from the money that I have, but let's say that my company goes bust in two years. And I don't get a successful company after that because making a successful company is not like a one-way thing that you can do over and over again. It's it's a bit of luck and a bit of like being in the right place at the right time. Then maybe I will 
only earned like the $200,000 over the two years that I earned the $100,000, which is a lot of money. But if I want to continue to live of that and continue to raise children and send them to college and support them when they are setting up their ventures or supporting my friends that are setting up their ventures, I will run out of it. So it's like, I can understand where you're coming from, but it's really hard to draw that line, uh, especially when we're talking about collective cases and not really unlike individual cases, because yes, I would say that at Jeff Bezos, it's tough, but like Elon Musk, did he, when he earned $30 million, was that enough? Was that that he shouldn't have earned more because he earned $30 million and be by selling his, his company, his first company? I, oh, yeah, I, like, I'd argue that Elon Musk is a hard um, one to, to sell only mm -hmm. because he's, he, Elon Musk dumps loads of money into, um, God, crazy philanthropies that are like, he's trying to, I heard one where he was trying to build a tunnel I want to say under London, um, that was vacuum sealed and had these little pods. That's the boring that company. That's his first yes. company that he's working on, and that is yeah. That, that's like. But do you know that they've 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 scuppered that because they just found it was like impossible to do, right? <laughs> it was like it just wasn't feasible. So instead, he's actually like, oh, we're just going to build a tunnel that people could drive their cars in. Well. They're so they're still working on that uh, on the um, on the vacuum idea. They did they showed off like the tunnel system, but mm. their biggest problem is tunneling faster than a snail can move because tunneling is really really slow. However, um, when he invested it, like uh, I am not really like familiar with all his investments, but one, but one thing mm. that he did was he invested heav heavily in Tesla, and it was a make or break case where he could have lost pretty much everything he had if Tesla failed. And it's mm. like, it should like should that be the reason why you get your money? It's like, like I can understand, yeah, like giving back is a really good thing, and you hope that people do it. But at the same time, like, can you imagine how stressful it is if you are the partner of Elon Musk and you have children with an Elon Musk, and your partner is betting everything that he has on like another project, and it might mean that your children like will have a tough time going to university maybe it's like okay, it's not so a really nice thing it's like it's really for, tough for for this argument i think we should stay away from elon musk because we just don't know the situation i do not think mm -hmm. as someone who is tech savvy and you know like hey let's do electric cars i cannot envision that elon musk would be crazy enough to gamble everything to the point of his family is out, you know, on the streets or anything. I cannot envision that he is that sort of guy to take that higher risk. I think he takes high risks, but not something to the detriment of his own family. This is where we find out he's single. But um, <laughs> yeah, he. I, I think he divorced a couple of times. But um, I mean, but, I mean, like th this is what I mean. It's like. I think we really have to watch out with talking about these global, yeah. like, like these universal statements. Like there is truth in what you say, but like it's really tough. But when you're saying like, oh, $100,000 is enough. It's like, is it? It's like, you don't know well, because like individual cases, it's like, you don't no, I, know I the individual that. that we're talking about. Does the individual like, 
did the like let's say that you said that a hundred thousand is enough. Let's say that the individual like studied for eight years and has a massive debt, then that one hundred thousand may not even pay it off. It's like it's very like hard to put this arbitrary number on. I which, yeah. I would be impressed if that one hundred thousand did not pay that off. You check check you um, America right. university debt that can go insane. Yeah. Okay. I think. I think we should look at the facts, right? Blizzard is was one of the best places to work. Mm-hmm. Now it is rated to be one of the worst by its employees, mm-hmm. right? They have had more and more people leave the company in the last year than anything, right? The high turnover is diabolic. Mm-hmm. They pay their developers less than any other um, game development company because, you know, and... As far as I understand it, because I'm trying to remember it, as far as I understand it, if you work for Blizzard, that's a badge of honor, right? Like, no, I shouldn't be paid less to be able to put your name on my CV, right? Mm-hmm. You no, know, that, that's that's a really bad thing, and I think that uh, that is definitely going to hurt the company because they are not. They may not be paying the wages, but they are paying in reputation and trust. And that's going to decay over time really fast. Because, so here's, here's yeah. the big thing, right? Here's the big thing. Oh, no, you're getting paid less, but you have the reputation of working at Blizzard. Well, what the fuck is that earning them now? Yeah, right? like, but you're p- people will know. Show company. People will know. Like, like... It's it's not going to hold up over time. It is a really short-term damaging strategy that will yeah. damage the long-term of your company. It's a really bad policy, which is like, if you're smart about business, you would not do that. But like, they're going pretty bad, <laughs> really fast. And really, you see it now. Really, really bad. And like, this is, this is one thing when it comes to like, the, the stock goes up right now because they make their apology, which I don't think is an apology. No one thinks it's an apology. No one thinks it's an apology. But it's like investors are going to be, oh, yeah, all right. And I mean, they're not seeing a huge drop in sales now, I think. I don't know. Are you kidding? Loads of people have canceled their um, Call of Duty um, purchases. Loads of oh, people. Oh, Call of Duty is coming out. Of course. I was like, yeah, I was like, there's, there's not a big, big, big thing that's being sold now. So like, yeah, like loads there's... of people have cancelled their World of Warcraft subscriptions. Loads of people have asked them to delete their accounts. Oh, that was beautiful. No, like, right? like, like the thing is, is that a lot of times when it comes to these boycott things, is that people are bad in the follow through. So initially, yeah. when they do, when they do a response, of course it's going to be a drop, but they're going to have to like wait for a couple months to see if it comes back. Same with like. A YouTube content cup where it's like channels die and you lose subscribers like well not necessarily because like they'll lose subscribers and then like after a month they come back up this is the thing though is that they've damaged like a lot of reputation which I think is going to be really hard to actually get that back and I didn't know that of course Call of Duty is Activision so yeah if that doesn't sell well and the following games don't sell well and we're going to have BlizzCon and yeah then yeah. like that will drop again that the will fact really... that the fact that they have done this just before blizzcon mm-hmm. right and now there are active groups looking to protest at blizzcon right you've already told me that they canceled a switch event yes uh, on friday right how bad would it be if they canceled either... it today 
They canceled it today. Yeah, in, in New York, there would be a Switch launch of Overwatch or something. I'm not entirely sure, but there would be a Switch launch of one of their games in New York City. One. It's got to be Overwatch because I know it's yeah, coming. Yeah, it's soon. it's Overwatch, and 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 they canceled it. And Nintendo had to like put up a tweet for their online like their their, their official Twitter saying like event is canceled due to Blizzard pulling out. Apologies. Right. So, like the whole thing is that at BlizzCon, there are there are people there that are organizing to protest simply by having an umbrella, right? Mm-hmm. Because apparently that is the symbol of. Um, well, basically, the protest happening in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. right? Could you envision the number of people that would be denied entry to BlizzCon simply because they have an umbrella on them? Could you imagine the backlash of them cancelling BlizzCon? Could you just comprehend i really think how bad it would be i i how bad it would be really bad how bad would it be if they are at the keynote Mm -hmm. right they they've got the opening ceremony and then loads of umbrellas open up Mm -hmm. how bad would it be i think it could be really bad but wait and see. That's the thing. Two million people signed up to raid Area 51 and only a handful of people showed up. The participation rate and the amount of care that people have is not equal to the amount of people that say they will participate and say they'll care. Because, like, I'm interested in how big this story will be on people's minds. On next week and maybe the week after it's like things do die down so i do want to say like one of the reasons like like one of the things which i think is really bad is that like to their customers has been a really bad move and i really hope that the um the protests or the boycott will have effect to teach them that this is not like this is not the way you go about things and get away unharmed however the follow-through raid is sometimes really really low like look at ea being able to like push the same shit over and over again continue to make fiva every year the same game and with more and more microtransactions and people still buying it and people still putting money to it it's like people could like people complain but when they complain they also got to put their complaints to action so they have to not support the products monetarily they have to nod um they have to actually come to to the thing and protest and actually go through with it. If 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 they're not let in, don't like throw the umbrella away and go in because oh I paid for the ticket and like I can understand if you're like oh I kind of want to make a statement and say well you can't come in with the umbrella but you paid for the ticket and the stay. And you're like well this is I all I saved up for so fuck it. It's like people got to follow through. Like that is one very important thing. It's like it will be really bad if people follow through and continue to follow through because if they don't then it's like well I mean. Yeah, then, like, it's not so bad if they don't follow through. So, vote with your wallets, as Sakuma said. Yeah. I, like, in all, I was going to buy the BlizzCon virtual ticket. Um, I'm not going to anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, Lars was going to buy the BlizzCon virtual ticket. He's not going to anymore. Um, I was going to buy the Warcraft 3 remastered uh, edition. Not going to anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm 
I will maybe one day I will purchase a um I, I will buy a subscription back into World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I do like the looks of the upcoming patch. Mm-hmm. Um I you know, I'll happily play classic WoW again. Mm-hmm. But um I'm not prepared to buy their merchandise. Not anymore. No. Right. That's why I've removed my figures and things out of mm-hmm. view because I don't want to influence people into buying their stuff. Um mm-hmm. no. It's it's this is a line they have crossed mm-hmm. and they've not apologized for it. And if they don't apologize for it at Blizzard, it's at BlizzCon. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's like, it's the thing where it, where a lot of people, and I'm part of it too, where I say it sometimes that I'm pretty upset with things that Warframe does. Like, a login system, changes or things like that, but continue to play the game. And that's what you see a lot. But um, hopefully, I do think that this is a pretty important thing for me as well. I don't own Blizzard products, but I am completely not enticed to own, to give them any support at all. So, yeah. No. Um, I, 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 In all honesty, I just envision... Um... Oh god, what's the name of the thing? Uh, Bungie, you know that they are cracking open the champagne in celebration of just missing this shit show. Mm-hmm. No, dude, they're like, they're so good off. They're yeah. so well off. Oh my god. Right, should we look to, you know? Do yeah. the questions? Yeah. yeah. Sure. Let's go ahead. So um so my first question to Michelle is uh who's this Tony person that's constantly I have no idea. Yeah. So I don't know. Um guys, <laughs> if you have questions here, put them up in chat and uh we will answer them right here. And we will uh they may concern Blizzard, they may concern uh anything else. Let me know. <laughs> they may consider this discussion or yeah. something else. So, what do yeah. you think about what Blizzard has done? You know, just 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 no. ask us anything. I mean, I I I think we covered it very well. Um, but like we we covered a lot. I I don't know if um, we covered it well. Uh, I tried it to as best as I could and tried to like yeah. keep it keep it as uh, as nuanced as we can. But yeah. Anyway, do you think we'll get another meme shit fest like the Diablo on smartphones? Maybe. Uh, it's going to be tough because they're expecting it now. And I think that last time they were also monitoring the, the questions. But yeah. Any other questions? Uh. I don't think so. (laughs) 
Arteria Faith asks, can you get rid of Tony? Failing Grace replies with, please. Anyway, um, if there are no further questions, then um, yeah, I think I think we're done. <laughs> okay, here's a question to you. All right. Do you think, it, what can you envision Blizzard could do to fix this? Uh, that is a tough one. Because... I feel that to the consumer side of things, they would have to at least apologize and admit that some of the things they did were wrong and not be in conflict with what their Chinese account is saying. On the other hand, that might cause like a lot of problems with their China side of things, which, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, it's a tough situation. I'm not a PR person, but yeah. That stuff. <laughs> How will you do it? Uh, I have taken action after yeah, those insults. Yeah, good job. Go ahead. <laughs> right. Um, crap. What was it? Um, what could they do? What could they do? What could they do to, could they do to resolve the situation? First like, off, just say sorry. You know, it's it's just like, you know, we overreacted, mm -hmm. you know, or we had to do this, right? It's, it's, we had no choice in the matter, right? If we didn't do this, we could have lost X amount of money, mm -hmm. right? You know, like, well, see, like, the, just the, an explanation. The thing is, is that it's, there are, they've already been almost condemned in the public court. And they have taken a side which would appease in some investors. If they were to apologize and say they did something wrong, then being sincere and having a sincere apology might make things better, but would never fully redeem them, I think, right now in the public's the court. But that would come over to the people that they pleased as hey, we're not doing this, so you'd kind of be pissing off both sides. Mm. I think it's a really tough one because, like, they decided to, like, like, I don't think they, well, I don't know whether they actively sided with one side. It really feels that way. But if they actively chose to do it, then the sacrifice they made for that, they would pretty much, like, undo and they would just have a shit show on both sides. Hmm. Don't you think? No, I, I agree. And I I mean, like, as Thalian says, like, if they just admit it's for the money mm -hmm. and stop saying it's our policy, then, you know, that's the first step. I, I completely agree with this, mm -hmm. right? I mean, in, in that apology, they turned around and said multiple times that, you know, every voice matters. Hold on. Every voice matters, yet you're stifling this one. Yeah, no. That's that's hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. It is. No, like like I, I I do think that being honest, it won't redeem them, but at least be honest about it. Um, I'll be better. I'll be able to better take it. Like if you just say like, "Hey, we're doing this because we want money." It's the same thing with the Epic Games thing. Is like people people were really upset when uh like developers signed with 
Epic Games and did the exclusive thing. It's like, well, we will not like you as much as we did before because we want to play this on Steam. But if you just come forward and say, we did it because they gave us a bunch of money and we like money, it's like, okay, well, I mean, at least you're being honest. And you're being an honest jerk and I can follow you because of your honesty. Yeah. Right. Oh, question for you. Mm -hmm. So I put a link out earlier in the chat and I sent it to you earlier. On that website, there is a list of companies that uh, it's the uh, gamersforfreedom.com mm -hmm. and on there there is uh, i will send the link oh he's put it up in the video yeah you can see a list of the number of companies that have actually said whether or not they will and will not censor what someone has to say mm -hmm. very interesting I think it's like 46 or 56% of Epic's stock is owned by a Chinese company. Mm -hmm. and they said that they will not censor. Well, I think part of that is due to um, if you want to enter the Chinese market, you need to have a Chinese company or Chinese partner. Yet, yet, Blizzard's is only 5%. Mm -hmm. So the thing that I feel, and I might be completely wrong in this, is that Epic has a Chinese investor, which might be a Chinese company, or which might be a raced in China Epic company. Who knows which one it really is, because like they can also get, hire some Chinese people to create this company, which is like, that is Chinese company that was founded in China, but I mean, it was Epic. Um, but even if it is a Chinese company, Epic, I feel, is making, has made so much money, as you see, they're throwing around with their Epic Game Store, that they might not be as dependent on the Chinese market or on the investment of that company as someone else's. But I don't know. I don't know the specifics. No, neither do I. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's Tencent. Oh, yeah, Tencent is the Chinese company. Okay, okay. Well, then, then, then it's probably either. I mean, like it. It was just for a tweet, I think. So um, then it's either just like trying to appease the public with talk, or it is Epic actually like standing in their shoes, being like, "We made money with Fortnite, even if we, if this doesn't, if they like do negative repercussions, we will still stand." Or it's yeah. yeah, it's just appeasement. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we will not censor. And then if push comes to shove, it's like, oh, 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 we never said that. Yeah. Do you think DE should be on this list? Uh... I will tell you, I would rather DE not be on this list because I don't think it's fair for developers to have to out themselves like this. See... It comes back to like the reasons where it's like, I mean, I'm like, we didn't necessarily talk about the political situation in China. We didn't necessarily talk about what the Chinese government does, what the Hong Kong protesters do and where we stand. We don't necessarily like go into discussions on that. I don't talk about these things in my videos. I don't talk about a lot of things in my videos and people might say that's mm. censorship or if people start this discussion on stream, you might 
shut a discussion down and be like, let's change topics. Is that necessarily yep. because we're censored or controlled by China? Well, in my case, I'm not. But um, it's just because I feel that there is, in some cases, a place for discussion. But in most cases, it's there are very complicated topics that you won't be able to figure out in just 15 to 20 minutes of just loose internet talk. And during that time, I'm just out here to have fun. I just want to play some games. I just want to have some talk. It's like, I just want yeah. to have some stream. And like, and I can understand that in, in those reasons, they might be like, well, if you want to have this discussion, take it somewhere else. Is that censorship? I don't know. But yeah. Right. Well, I think we're there. We're at the end of the show now. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much for everyone listening uh, to us babble on about random stuff that mm -hmm. we think we know what we're talking about. And according to Tony, whatever their name was, I'm a big, fat, balding toy collector and haven't got a clue what I'm talking about. And um, I also want to thank DE for letting us, well, let me talk about this topic and have no negative repercussions on my Warframe account. Please don't buy my Warframe account. I really like it. And um, yeah, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. You can catch the full episode on youtube.com slash postmalonegames. And the highlights sometime later this week on youtube.com slash xenogallion. Good luck spelling that. Mm. Or you could watch the next episode live on Tuesday at 7 p.m. British time or 8 p.m. European time or 2 p.m. Eastern time. summertime, America, uh, live on twitch.tv slash Michelle Postma. And of course, you could also support us on our Patreon channels on patreon.com slash Michelle Postma or patreon.com slash Xenogallion. All the money goes to the production of our shows in Michelle's case probably living <laughs> <laughs> and um, every dollar counts. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for yeah, big fat balding toy collector. That's not going to go away anytime soon and we'll see you next week.